ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. It's Janice Porter here today with my guest, all the way from Philadelphia, PA, is Robbie Samuels. And I love this because Robbie actually was sent, an e I was sent an email from a podcast um, booker, I guess, as they call it, um, about Robbie. And right away, I knew he was my kind of person. And I'm going to tell you why now as I um, ask you to join me in welcoming him to the show. Robbie has a new book, which I'm very excited about, actually. And that's what we're going to talk about in a minute. So I'll hold off on that. He is a multi-passionate entrepreneur, or what some would call a multi-hyphenate. In his case, this means he's a professional speaker, business growth strategy coach, virtual event design consultant, executive Zoom producer, MC, podcast host, author, virtual presentation skills trainer. Oh, and I'm likely leaving something out. There's so many wonderful things that he does. He has been recognized as a networking expert, which is why I'm so excited to speak to him too, by Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and Inc. And as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. And as a virtual event design consultant, he assists organizations with bringing their events strategically online with less stress and greater participant engagement. As a business growth strategist, a strategy coach, he helps his clients discover likely prospects who already know, like, and trust them so they can stop struggling to launch their offer. In, since 2016, he has hosted the On the Schmooze podcast, and since March 2020, a weekly hashtag no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour. And he is also a TEDx speaker. Uh, an HBR contributor and Scrabble champion, at least in his own home. So welcome, Robbie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Janice. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. There's so many things to talk to you about, but I want to start by jumping right into your new book because it's a um, it's going to have probably just launched or be close to have just launched by the time this airs. Robbie's new book, not his first, I don't think, no. No, but his new book is called Small List, Big Results, Launch a Successful Offer, No Matter the Size of Your Email List. So I was one of Robbie's um, launch people. What did you call us launch? La launch team members. Launch team members and got a chance to read um, a copy of the book this past week. And I want you to tell the audience a little bit about this book, Robbie, because I told you, I admitted I've read it, but I feel like I have to go back and highlight and practice and do the things in the book because it's so practical. So please do tell my audience. It is a very quick read that you will spend the next, you know, decade working through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So prior to the pandemic, I'd spent over a decade working to be recognized as a networking expert. I was profiled in multiple mainstream, you know, business um, 
publications, uh, wrote a book, uh, did a TEDx. So I, I had established myself with that kind of credibility. But then March 2020 came and all the things I was known for and you had to teach like eye contact, business cards, shaking hands, body language was just not relevant. And I struggled for a few days to figure out how to show up and add value in a world that didn't need what I was known for. And on March 12th, I wrote nine ways to network in a pandemic. And that was very well received because it was very timely. And then I decided that night I should do one of these and looking at the list, I decided that I would host a virtual happy hour, which I've been doing every Friday, five o'clock Eastern since March 13th, 2020. And the reason it was on Fridays at five is because I got the idea Thursday night <laughs> and I'm impatient. <laughs> and you started it on Friday the 13th. So you weren't superstitious. It was the day that the world hit pause and we all just needed to find ways to connect. My goal has always been around engagement. That was where I was focusing even for in-person events, the difference between intending and to setting an intention to meet people and then actually doing so. Mm -hmm. And I knew that when virtual events became synonymous with events, I needed to find a way to do that online. That virtual event, that Friday, you know, no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour, which I've never charged for, and I've hosted now for like 18, 19 months. Uh, I, I was really able to reinvent myself and my business going from zero expected dollars to six figures in eight months, and then continuing to thrive into 2021. Now, the part of the reason I was able to do that is that I'm a business growth strategy coach. And at the time that the pandemic was raging, I was coaching dozens of entrepreneurs that year on product market fit and lead generation, both a couple of private clients, but I was also working with a company where I was helping support their, um, their entrepreneurs through the process. So I was treating myself like a client. I was following the best practices that I was coaching people on and it worked and I tried lots of things and I created lots of new revenue streams. And so this year, while that virtual business was thriving, I made the decision to more firmly establish with my network that I had this skill set so that I could offer it to a wider audience and um, kind of you know hedge my bets around what's going on with these virtual world, which I'd love to keep doing, but who knows? It's yeah. out of my control, but I, I know there will always be entrepreneurs who need to find a way to build an audience before they create their offer. Cause doing it the other way, we just bang our head on the process. It's not, I fun. know no, it's really funny. Cause yesterday in one of my weekly networking uh, groups, one of the girls uh, who has a, um, she has her own company and she does um, web development. She does um, branding um, stuff for people and she's pretty good at what she does. And she asked a question about um, direct mail. And in doing direct mail, um, reaching newer audience, you know, what do people like to see? Do they like a postcard? Do they like a letter? Do they like whatever? And I, and I said to her, because I do know her and I've done LinkedIn training with her. And I said, why would you spend your time and money doing that when you've got amazing clients that you could start to reconnect with and i and i say this to you because you were in my head i knew i was going to um speak to you today and also you are the the king of this because um you talk about i mean the first actually i think as being one of your um uh, pre-launch team i got uh, an extra bonus which was one of your exercises which just blew me away and i want you to talk about this in however you want to talk about it about um waking up your network because that's where the value is that's where the the money is right 
I yeah, think so I absolutely, uh, I believe that 80% of the people you need to know to be successful, you've already met. Yes. That's not a scientific value that's based on the 80-20 rule, but I, I, it feels right to me and it feels right to the people I've talked to. And I also believe that relationships are the answer to any business or life challenge. So we're not talking about networking where you're going out to new events and, you know, spraying and praying your business card around the room. And it's not that it's not spamming people. It's not sending people things they don't need. It's not building an offer in some sort of like secretive layer and then coming to the market and hoping that someone cares and everyone's like, what is this? Who are you? We don't care. Right. It's not those things. It's about connecting with people who already know that can trust you finding what they need and then creating an offer with them co-creation. And if they don't need it using that connection to see how they can introduce you to someone who might be better served by what you're creating right now and building that trust kind of gets bridged across. So rather than trying to be, you know, particularly when we're starting something new, how do we wake up our network to the fact that we're doing it? And I've now done it twice in two years. So when the pandemic hit, I was not known for virtual anything. And May, 2020, I launched my pilot of a four week training program that became a, a certification program. So people can become certified, uh, certified virtual event professionals. And some of those people went on to launch businesses as Zoom producers. Many of them were speakers themselves, meeting professionals who were trying to retool in the light of all the changes in the world. Mm -hmm. And 40 people went through that program in 2020. And for the first 20 of them, there was nothing on my website like no mention literally oh, that's good i love this right right the reason people bought wasn't because of my websites because of my relationships and the second 20 i did have something on my homepage, but it was done by me and it was you know it was not very pretty um again it wasn't actually why people were buying and so 40 people got to spend four weeks with me getting trained in a way that had a big impact on their lives um help cement my own knowledge, my own like sense of what was valuable and led me to then be hired by companies to help them bring their own events online. So if I had hesitated, if I had spent a lot of time trying to figure out like the perfect name and like get a whole website set up about it, or, you know, all the things that we do, all the impediments we put in our, in our path, like that slow us down. I was able to mid April, announce I was doing this and find 15 people to give me $500 as a pilot, mm -hmm. right? Because I have the relationships. I could have spent the entire year just doing coffee chats with people who they picked my brain about Zoom. Right. And that's kind of the road it was going on until I was like, wait, if I had this experience, if I was coaching someone and they were having this happen, I would say, how would you gather this, turn into research calls and figure out how to like pilot something. So I just, I just shifted into that gear. And then I, there were things I tried that didn't work, mm -hmm. but I didn't, none of those things lasted seven months. It was like, oh, that's not working. Next thing, right? This seems like it's getting some traction to dive deeper. And the wake up your network exercise, which you got as a launch team member is actually mm -hmm. in the bonus content that everyone who comes uh, and gets the book, it's called the big results toolkit. Mm -hmm. And in that toolkit is a number of workbooks. Um, there's an hour long replay of of a piece of the book that talks about how to discover your ideal client. There is this one, the, the wake up your network workbook, um, analyze problem language workbook, and then a few other um, worksheets to kind of just get, we want you to take action, right? Like it's not enough to read this book. The book itself takes only a couple hours to read probably, right. but you know, doing the exercises, doing the challenges that are in the book and taking the action and seeing the results. And that's been really exciting. I've already gotten a lot of feedback. I've run seven pop-up masterminds, which is where people did that wake up your network workbook 
um, pre-work and then came to a two hour session with eight other people to talk about their questions and what did they do next and all that. And so the results already just from that first seven sessions to see what people's experience have been, I basically had 50 people already go through that workbook and get a lot out of it. So each step, it seems to me, then leads to the next in the sense that from your masterminds, I'm sure that you've now created something that, to offer those people at a longer, larger level, right? And accountability. Ooh, Janice, you're paying attention. All right. <laughs> so to be fully transparent, and I've been nothing but fully transparent, all the activity this fall is leading to an offer for a year-long program that's happening in 2022, which is 10 months of masterminds monthly and to at least two one-on-one -on -one calls beginning and end and additional if they sign up early. That's an offer that is too big of a solution for people unless they know they need it, right? So if I, in September, if I had just come out to the marketplace and said, here's this amazing solution, no one would care. But people who did my pop-up masterminds and are reading the book and are doing the activities and are seeing some results and traction, what's happening is they're shifting from symptom aware, which I call little P problem aware mm -hmm. to big P problem aware. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then they see my solution. I'm literally giving you the solution in the book. Like the solution is not the secret, but I know that my ideal client doesn't want to do it on their own and they don't want to slow down. They don't want to make mistakes and have time to waste. They're right. willing to invest in themselves and they realize, wow, Robbie's my guide. Robbie can help me get this done. And the last step of this process is now aware. If the cost of an action is too great. If they're like, wow, I now know what the problem is. I now know what the solution is. I now know that Robbie can help me. I know that I'm onto something. I know this could be a great new revenue stream. I don't want to not have this happen. I, I, okay, wow, I could just sign up for Robbie's program. Let's just do this. Now they're ready for that program and they're ready to get amazing results. Cause I've also seen people sign up for masterminds without a really strong sense of what they're doing. And they can spend an entire year navel gazing, which is not not valuable. I mean, you know, when you sign up and, and purchase a, an online course for like 197, 397, whatever, you have great intentions. Uh, story of my life, I never get past, you know, lesson four because I've already moved on or lost interest or, you know, not carved out the time. I do think that, you know, I must admit that when I read your book, I went, oh my God, as I got more into it, I'm like, this is really hard work. Like this is, you know, um, the research part of it. And it's like, how much time can I spend doing this when I still have to be making money? And, and all of these questions came up. So I can see number one, um, testing the waters first with the waking up your network. And I have a question about that. And then perhaps wanting to reach out to say, Hey, I need your help for the next piece. You know, cause I like, I like getting patted on the back. If I do something, you know, like I need to have someone there. Um, yeah. Going rah, rah. Okay. I mean, I, I admit that, you know, Don't that's like actually these pop-up masterminds have been so helpful for that. And I, 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 this is an example of something that's not in the book that I purposely did not include in the book because it's always good to talk about something Sure. additional. And um, I, I believe in workshopping everything. So when I first started writing the book in 2018, um, which is three years ago, just to point out, this isn't an overnight thing. When I first started writing in 2018, I actually did three master classes on different parts of the book um, and the different concepts to get reactions from people mm -hmm. to know whether or not it resonated, to explain it differently. So I wanted to co-create the entire book. Then fast forward, as I'm creating this, this last sort of parts of it, 
um, even when it came to the title, I worked out the title. The title originally was Small List, Big Ambition, Leverage Your Network to Grow Your Business. And I put it out to my network. I made it clear that my ideal reader was an entrepreneur, a woman in her 50s or older. Mm -hmm. And I heard back that women over 45 did not like the word ambition. Oh, women yes. Over 45 did like it. I heard you say and this. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. How about goals? And someone wrote, someone wrote, I have enough goals. I need results. And like seven other women piled onto that comment. They were like, yes, exactly. I was like, oh, smallest big results. And then I looked and realized that leverage your network is used for career books, like mm -hmm. people who are job hunting. And I was like, yeah. well, that's not quite right. And more importantly, my ideal reader doesn't know the solution is networking, right? They're not seeking the solution. Mm -hmm. What they do know, the problem that they know they have, and they're willing to admit is that they have a small email list. That's what they think is holding them back, which is why the subtitle then became launch an offer, no matter the size of your email list, right? So it. it's, it's really about meeting people where they are and then selling them that and then helping them get what they actually need. Brilliant. I know it's brilliant. Um, now, even one of the things that's on your list that I can ask you about and what you have on here is how to launch an Amazon bestseller. And I can ask you about that. Well, first of all, I have never seen a lead up to a book launch like yours. I mean, it was brilliant, I have to say, because you gave away so much good stuff. And they always say, give away your best stuff, right? And, and don't be afraid of doing that. But you really did um, outdo yourself in that regard. And it, it really, you did every, and plus the emails, the instructions, everything was so well laid out. Um, talk to me about that. My first book was nearly written uh, back in 2017. I should say that the writing process is not my favorite part. I'm too much of an extrovert. I, I have a hard time sitting down and quieting my mind and focusing. I, I'm not a bad writer. I'm just bad at the writing process. Okay. And so um, I was close enough to the finish where I was, I was like getting ready to pass it off to the editor within that month. And so I knew it was going to happen. I realized at that moment that the date that I had been counting down to was not actually the end. It was the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I actually started to see that this book was valuable and I didn't want to just hit publish. I wanted to launch. So I postponed the whole launch process by six weeks in order to build a launch team. And I learned some of this process from a company called um, self-publishing school, but when they heard my results, they were blown away mm -hmm. because I amplified things because I'm a relationship kind of guy. And so I did things differently. Here's what I believe, Janice, when people say yes to writing review or doing you any kind of favor, you want to make it super easy for them to do it because yeah. they set an intention. And if they follow through, you feel good. They feel good. Mm -hmm. But if you don't support them, that becomes a to do item that they forget about. And then when they do remember, they feel bad. Yeah. They like it, it backfires. It leads to a negative feeling about what's going on instead of a deeper relationship. So I believe if you set the intention, I'm committed to helping you follow through. And so uh, some of the things we do is I build a really big launch team but I personalize every email. I, it's a lot of effort. It is malmerge. It's not like I'm <laughs> writing individual emails to 300 plus people. Um, it's malmerge, but if you've already sent a review, you're not gonna get asked for it again. You've already done that action. You're gonna be asked to post it. If you haven't done it, I'm gonna follow up with you. I'm gonna find you on Facebook PM if I have to, if you haven't opened your emails, like I'm gonna make sure that we're having a conversation back and forth. I also um, 
did a week after everyone got the advanced copy. I did a librarian led book club discussion. When I couldn't make it, I was so sad because I was babysitting, but the replay is being sent to everyone as we speak. We'll get it out today. So my processes and systems business coach, Mary Williams is a professionally trained librarian. Mm -hmm. So she came up with some amazing questions and we had people come off mute and like share. She had a whole bunch of questions for people. And it was so great as a content creator to hear people's reactions, to hear what they were identifying with, like what they were committing to, what they were struggling with. And then we're also going to have three free masterclasses mm -hmm. coming up two weeks after the official launch, so mid-November. Mm -hmm. And that is where I'm going to do my official ask for this year-long program. And there's also going to be a debrief, a launch team debrief. So if you want to know more about the launch team process, me, my coach, who's my business, my, sorry, my book launch success uh, manager and my assistant, we're going to get on and debrief the launch, what we did, what worked, and we wish we could do differently next time live with all of you asking whatever questions you want to ask, so because smart. I think there's yeah. value there's nothing proprietary about the process. No, it, it's so smart because you are being so, um, um, transparent, like you said, but, and also it's, um, it's building that trust and in with the relationships and growing the relationships with the people that were on your launch team. So can I go back to something and, um, back to the wake up your network exercise for a second? Um, <clears throat> because I think I could start there. I think I could start there and I, and it, the instructions are amazing around how to do this. And I think anybody who is an entrepreneur, anybody who is in my world, who I've trained or who uses LinkedIn as a tool in their business is going to start there and they're going to want to start there. And <clears throat> with the um, downloading of their existing connections. Now, when you have you know a few thousand LinkedIn connections, it's already going to seem overwhelming. So, you know, I guess, I guess I'm asking you, do you just say, yes, it is that big a list. You know, it's not like mine's not huge, huge, but it's 3,500 or something, which is still more than you can connect with on a, on a real basis on an, uh, um, on a constant way. If you, um, take that list and then you start looking at how do you just, um, uh, block off some time, a couple of hours to go through the list and just say, I'm going to do it. Here, here's what I was just doing. Um, I, first, I would employ the Pomodoro method, set a, set a clock for 15 minutes and take the next step at the end of the 15 minutes, see whether you've got momentum and set another 15 minutes. After two blocks of that, mm -hmm. then take a break for five minutes and decide whether you want to get back into it or whether you're going to do it another day. So have specific times in your calendar yeah. that you that you could focus on but if you don't get momentum give yourself a break it's fine but you yeah. can get a lot done in 15 minutes the other thing is the first pass through your 3500 contacts is trying to identify people who would recognize your name and you'd be happy to hear from out of the blue so this is a quick gut reaction there's no right. research now that's going to shorten that list to let's say 500 which is still a lot of people but it's more manageable. Then you add more columns. Now you want to rank people based on their connection to you, their influence in the world, and their interest in the work that you're currently looking to talk about, which is going to shift 
from time to time. Mm -hmm. So their connection to you, one, two, or three, again, gut, their influence in the world. I get, I get a lot of questions about this because they were like, how much research do I have to do? I'm like, none. It's totally your gut. Trust yourself, first of all. So my mom could, knowing the work that I do, make an incredible introduction to someone who has a kid that I should talk to and like we could be great partners or great collaborators or, or you know, hire each other, whatever it is. My mom doesn't have the platform to tell hundreds and thousands of people, right? She doesn't have that platform right now. So her influence is not the same as someone who hosts a podcast, runs a group membership program, has a large social media following, regularly writes things on LinkedIn and just sort of gets traction with people. So that is what I mean by influence. So three is super clearly they have influence. Two is I, they might have yeah. more influence than not. And one is like, mm, it's my mom, you know, like <laughs> one lover, but yeah. doesn't have that platform. And then the last one is their interest in whatever you're currently looking to do. And again, gut. And when you're done, the workbook and the, and the book go through sort of how do you then determine, are they likely prospects? Are they like referral partners? Are they coffee chat or should you snooze them for now? And snoozing them just means you'd switch the, you know, we put a Z in the column instead of an X for, do you contact them? You might end up wanting to contact them six months or a year and a half or four years from now, because some other thing that you want to talk about. So you don't want to lose sight of, these are people who you think they'd remember your name and you'd like to hear from them out of the blue, which is already a cool thing to know that there are these people in the world. Yeah. Um, and that's how you move through just getting to that process. Now, in the end, maybe you'll end up with, maybe you'll end up with 50 people, 70 people, mm -hmm. and you're still not going to reach out to all of those. You're going to find 20 or 25 people that you're going to commit to reaching out to in the next six weeks. And two thirds of them should be, in my opinion, likely prospects. And the other third should be a mixture of referral partners or likely referral partners, uh, fellow experts, which sort of falls in that same category and coffee chats. Because we will, if we don't think about it, we will overindulge in the coffee chats and the referral partner conversation. It's just easier to talk to colleagues. Yeah. If we don't talk to prospects, we're not building like a pipeline that we need. Right. So we have to have those conversations too. So that's, that's how you kind of get to, the goal is to find 20, 25 people that you will talk to in about six weeks. It could take longer, but it, the goal is for it not to take six months. Like you want to get yeah. the content, get the right. ideas, move forward, try <laughs> something out. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, I think where to go back to the, one of the very first things that we, that I shared with you about the girl in my networking group is to think that that takes a fair bit of time, but it's time I think, and you think is better spent than throwing mud at the wall with a new list of people. Right. Right. Um, it, it, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I want to talk to you about um, strategic, effective, and inclusive networking. Talk to me about that because, you know, I'm a networker, I'm a connector, I love connecting people, but I, I'm very, um, I'm very uh, conscientious about giving my network away to other people if I'm not sure yet there's a right fit. Like I wouldn't just connect people without asking my connection first. And I don't know if that's anything to do with what you're, what this is, but go ahead. And let 100% I agree with the double opt-in. So um, 
you know, I'll give, an, I'll give you sort of an extreme example and then another one. So Dory Clark is a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. uh, Dory Clark is a, you know, globally recognized business expert, um, multiple uh, best-selling author, um, just got her book on WSJ. I mean, she's, 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 she's amazing. She's I stuff. interviewed her for my podcast and I felt very yeah. privileged to have met her as well. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. I have, I think, I, I know one person I introduced her to, but I think there may have been two people in 12 years that I have introduced her to. Mm. One, she knows a lot of people, so she doesn't need my help. Right. But I'm also very selective about who I'm going to bring into her orbit directly. Mm -hmm. I tell everyone about her, but mm -hmm. I mean a direct introduction. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's value for both people. Um, and that person, I remember one of them, it was a person who knew how to get people into TEDx um, because she ran a TEDx. And, and I thought our community of Dory uh, devotees like would benefit from having a training on that. And that's exactly what happened. Now, I also have friends that I know that they'd be happy to meet anybody. <laughs> um, if I think that it's a worthwhile connection, they're going to be a yes. And we've already sort of established that. And so I know I can more freely make those kind of connections because they understand that I'm going to be choosy, not as choosy as me when I'm being with Dory, but I'm going to find people that I think would, would really add value. And they're always happy with the connection. So I do think that's important. Um, my first book was was called Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. And the title is actually referencing a body language piece around how we stand, whether we stand oh, closed yes. in a closed circle, like a yes. bagel, or we stand with our stance more open, like yes. a croissant. Yes. And um, it, it's not just about the physical stance, but also about the mindset as you come into an right. event, being open physically and mentally to the possibilities in the room, seeking them, not hiding in the front row, taking notes, not going to your room, not talking to the two friends you already know. Um, you know, just like realizing there's a serious opportunity here that you're going to miss if you don't have a plan. Um, part of my plan for that was to uh, write the follow-up email draft before I went to an event because it would make me stop and think about ideally who would I want to meet and what would I want them to know about me and then use that to get my head in the game, then I'd be more likely to find and meet the right kind of people and track their contact info, and then use that like as a basis of my follow-up message so that I didn't have to stare at a blank page, but I would have time set aside before going to the event. I would set aside time after the event, plus I'd have this draft, and I'd have a stack of cards that were, you know, earmarked in some way. It just makes follow-up more thoughtful and more likely. And I think meeting people is not the game. Like, collecting business cards, collecting LinkedIn connections, not the game. No one wins at that. No, no one's going to be like, wow, he had so many, like at the end of his life, you know, wow, he had so many business yeah, cards. Yeah. You know? yeah. So um, that was the strategy part. Okay. Okay. Um, I remember uh, pre-COVID um, being asked to go speak uh, at a conference at a, yeah, it was a conference in Vancouver Island. And um, they were, we were going to go over by Helijep and the day, and so it was kind of exciting. And, you know, there were, uh, it was the first time that I'd been asked to speak at this thing. And, and um, uh, I spent a couple of weeks going through LinkedIn, introducing myself to the other speakers. And also I introduced, I looked for business owners in that community and introduced myself on LinkedIn, hoping that that would bring some recognition, you know, for when I got there. And 
the day of the event, it snowed so badly here, we couldn't get over there. So we ended up having to do it on Zoom. And this is when we weren't really good at Zoom, right? We hadn't used it all that much either. And uh, But the point of my, my story is that I actually made a few really good connections that because I had made them before the event, and so I, it, it was a bonus in the end. So I always think when, if I ever get back to doing things in real life, I don't know if I ever will, but, you know, doing that homework or that pre-work makes a big difference. And also the other thing about conferences is I always felt that you, if you worked, the, walked the room or worked the room, that you got more um, real connections from the other people that were um booth owners, let's say, as opposed to just the the um, the audience. What's your take on that? I really agree with all of that. And um, that kind of pre-work is why a lot of the work that I did around that book attracted a lot of introverts. I am not an introvert. And right. <laughs> I've also never been accused of being a wallflower or shy. Yeah. And so it was very interesting, but the reason I think it was working for people who did identify as shy and or introverted is that I was saying, if you do all this work ahead of time, you could spend an hour at a three hour event, go home and feel like you succeeded in your goals. Yeah. Not like I'm slinking away. It's like, nope, I, I, I had a plan. I met my plan. I can go home now. And that kind of like relief that the, the work to get to that point was actually done at home yes. in preparation and that all the follow-up could then be done one-on-one. -on -one. You can schedule coffee chats or meetings or make introductions and all that can happen after. Whereas I am the person who stays all night, stacks chairs. I've stacked every kind of chair there is that does not make me better at this. It means I just don't know how to go home. If there are still people on there, it doesn't mean I'm being thoughtful or strategic about how I use my time or even what events I say yes to. So I, I think the people who are already reserved in their energy don't want to spend all their energy on going no, and meeting that's people. That's true. Yeah. Have to be choosy. I think we all should be a little bit choosier. And that's true virtual as well. All mm -hmm. this planning works in the virtual space, mm -hmm. um, choosing what events to go to, um, what kind of people are going to be there, the quality of the connections, the opportunities for engagement. I mean, yeah, I think it also is is pretty relevant. I'm amazed people are still buying my first book because it is so focused on the in-person, but I'm still seeing reviews coming in as a four-year-old book. Um, the reviews are coming in talking about how they can apply it to today, which is uh, kind of awesome to me. Yes, absolutely. That's really, that's really cool. Um, you talk about, um, Oh, yes, I know what I wanted to ask you. You talked about you are very clear now on your target audience. Your target audience, the people that you like to work with, are entrepreneurial women in their 50s and 60s. I'm very curious how you came up with that. Because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what happened was my, I wrote my first book and it came out and I had an intention to create some kind of program online program after. And I talked to Dory about it actually, wrote about this in the book. And she said, you're going to learn a lot, which is not advice. <laughs> it's a prophecy. And so I created a pilot following the best practices that I could based on what I'd seen Dory do and other people I knew do. And I did have four people sign up, which was my goal. One of them dropped out before it started and said, oh, you know what? I'll just figure it out on my own, which I've come to realize is something my ideal client would never say. Three other women stayed. 
and I still didn't get it. Then I went to launch the second iteration and they had their reviews and their testimonials and their videos and 250 people went to the landing page and no one clicked the button to schedule a call with me. But meanwhile, five women reached out to me to pick my brain about launching a podcast, launching a book, writing a book, business strategy questions, like thinking about an online course, like all these business related, business strategy related questions. And I started selling these like really low dollar four session coaching packages. And then I decided to host these three free masterclasses on the topics that people were asking about the most, which were but books and podcasts mainly. And all the people who are coming, like this is the demographic. So I still didn't get it. And then I met with a coach. I had bought an auction package through NSA, the National Speaker Association, and I got to work with this business coach and it, she was that demographic. And as I was talking through all the things I did, she said, you know what I want? I want more and I want it now. And I wrote down more and I was like, oh, money opportunities, referrals, engagement. And she was like, oh, yeah. And then later I realized that if they want that, you need mindset, you need to be offering value. You need to have, um, I said relationship, oh, relationships and energy management. So if you want this more, you need this more. Goodness. Anyway, I rebranded as the more program for entrepreneurial women and it filled and it was like, these are my people. These are my network. If I look at who's responding to my emails, who's asking me to have coffee chats, who's in the networks that I most connect with and socialize with, it kind of made sense. This is why I just, I wrote this for my, um, my book, but I wrote it back in 2018, discover your ideal client. There's a whole like Venn diagram process around it. They're already circling you. <laughs> you just haven't thought to like make this connection, but, they, but that's what was happening. And, um, I, I thanked in my acknowledgements, the women who were in my first couple of iterations of that program, because I feel like they helped me understand what I was offering prior to that moment. I actually didn't identify as a business growth strategist. Um, I, you know, I had been coaching, but I hadn't really used the term. I had been offering business advice for probably 15 years by that point, <laughs> back when I had a Blackberry in the brain, that was kind of my thing. Um, but I, I didn't get it. I didn't get why there's a, there's a way I talk about the work that I think resonates when I was speaking all the time back in the days when we used to do that, <laughs> I had a talk called art of the schmooze that I did for more than a decade. And I would talk about things like, you know, women don't have pockets. Yes. You know, I was always joke. Like when, when do women get the right to pockets? They've had the right to vote in the U S for a hundred years. Like yeah. when do they get pockets? And I would, I would joke, I would, I would be speaking at a room full of women and I'd be the only one with a jacket and it would be freezing. And I'm like, <laughs> I am the only dude here. You're allowed to turn the heat up. <laughs> like, go for it. Why is the room set for like me? Yeah. So it's just like acknowledging the reality in a way that like breaks that tension, speaks it in the room. I have a knack for doing that. And I think these women appreciate that. I also am older than I look. And I think that there's a way in which they're like, oh, he's so great. Like, I, <laughs> like, I love it. I, and I'm like, I'm 47. I'm actually right on. I'm, I'm right nipping at your heels in the 50s. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> okay. So that's all great. And I, I honestly, I could talk to you forever. Um, so, but I don't think that uh, we should do that because I want to have you back another time. I think that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be great. Um, your podcast is called On the Schmooze. You're still doing that, right? Yes. Yeah, weekly for five and a half years. Yes, love it, love it. Um, I do 
I do think while I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, okay, I'm one of those people that uh, doesn't feel the need to write a book. And I think that's why I, I enjoy my podcast so much because that's my outlet for me. I'd rather talk than write. And you said you weren't that great at the writing thing, but you were disciplined enough to do it and saw the need for it. I'm guessing at the time, do I need to write a book? No, I don't think anyone needs to write a book, but it is a way to, to change the conversation and focus the energy on, on a particular idea mm -hmm. um, in a way that a podcast doesn't. Um, if you do it right, if you just hit publish, no oh, one's going to yes. hear about it. Exactly. Um, also, I don't think you need a 300 page six by nine book. Yeah. You know, um, a friend of mine actually just published one of those. And I'm like, oh, my God, this thing is huge. Wow. It could have been two or three books. Um, I write actionable, consumable, easy to read books mm -hmm. because that's what I would be looking for. I'm not looking for something that you can't uh, get through. My book, both my books are the kind of books you could read on the way home from a conference on your plane ride. Like that's, you could write it, read it on the way there to get value, figure out what to do with the event. You can read on the way home to figure out how to implement all the ideas. Like this is what I'm looking for. And in that case, you're talking like 30,000 ish words. That's actually doable. I'm, I'm, it's not an impractical goal, mm -hmm. but you know, you could do by writing blog posts or weekly emails or, recording master classes or webinars and then using the content from all of that. It's not, you don't have to sit down at a blank page to write a book. You create content. People like the content that resonates with them. It's really about repackaging it because all the content in my book, like a large majority of it, I have talked about in one way or another in some way, in some platform and some medium, but until it became a book, it wasn't a conversation topic in the same way. It's not critical, but yeah. it, there's 82% of the people, according to some study, wanted to write a book and only 1% actually published a book. So there's a certain credibility that is afforded to people who write books. And, you know, in a world where we are looking for extra credibility, you know, be recognized in some way, um, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to have. The same way, you know, um, being quoted in a HBR or writing for HBR, things like that, or a business review. Uh -huh. um, so not, not, not an absolute necessity, but if you already have great content, think about how you might repackage it. That's great advice. And I was going to ask you as our last question, but I'm going to change it now. From all your years of experience, what is the most valuable free tip that you can give people? But I think that really sums it up really well about unless you want to add something. Well, I'll just add that one of the free masterclasses that I did is yeah. should I write a book? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and because uh, I get asked this question a lot. So robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass is where you'll go to see all my masterclasses. And um, that's one of them. And there's also one of my book launch strategies for my first book. And should I host a podcast is in another example. So um, this is also something else we all could be doing is if there's content people are always asking you for, create it as a lead magnet, create yeah. something really valuable. Um, I did these live masterclasses over the last several years, and they're also available to people and right. relevant. So Yes, they are for That's sure. That's a tip for you. <laughs> okay, thank you. So I am going to ask one last question because sure. I think that you'll have a great answer for it. I know you will. So um, one of the things that I love is my favorite word is curiosity. And I want to know it's two parts. One, do you think curiosity is innate or learned? 
And second part, what are you most curious about these days? Hmm. Um, I think that you, there are probably people who are predispositioned to be more open than others. And I, I will say probably a lot of it is the environment. Like if you were rewarded for your curiosity growing up, then that probably leads to greater curiosity when you're older. If you're reprimanded or restricted because you were poking your nose to things that people didn't want you to poke your nose into, I could see how even if you had been initially very naturally curious, it could be um, restricted in some way. So I think it's, a, it's one of these, like, I think it's both. Um, I do think that you can become more curious and that's something we all should be open to. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I am a first time home buyer. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and this is thanks to the success of my last year. Thank you. And um, I've never owned a home and I, and for a long time, wasn't sure I wanted to, and I'm not handy. So I'm actually become more curious about all the things I need to learn as a homeowner. <laughs> Um, just basic maintenance stuff and getting into the weeds. And that's sort of becoming like a new hobby of just figuring that out and also figuring out like when to hire someone, because yeah. I've also learned, you know, stick, stick in your own lane, kid. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. There are definitely some things around that, that you learn as you go for sure. Um, yeah. well, this was amazing. And I so appreciate you taking the time to join me and my audience Tell my audience one last time the name of your book and where they can find it when it comes out, which is on October 31st, I believe. So yep. maybe out already when we launch. So go ahead. If you go to smalllistbigresults.com, you will be invited to buy the book. And also before you buy the book, or even if you don't buy the book, to download the Big Results Toolkit, which will give you all the you know, resources to help you actualize the strategies in the book. So smalllistbigresults.com. You can learn more about me generally at robbysamuels.com. And um, I will put together, Janice, a special link for people who, if they want to like dive in a little deeper, they can also go to robbysamuels.com forward slash Janice. And you can then share that widely and we'll give people access to all the things that I just said. Thank you so much. That's amazing. And thank you again for being here. Thank you to my audience. If you like what you've heard, you know the, you know the, uh, the drill. Uh, subscribe and review. That would be amazing. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.